This is my body, this is my blood, Miracles of the Eucharist, Book 1, Langenwies, 1400s, All Creation Honors Him. The Lord gives us a new cast of characters leading up to the Eucharistic miracle which took place in Langenwies in an area called Silica, between Poland and Czechoslovakia. Again, he uses people from other countries to do his work in an area completely foreign to the people involved. Enter a young man called Jan Tedesco, Jan the German, or better known especially by Californians as San Juan Capistrano, Jan of Capistran. He was called Jan the German because his father was of Germanic background, and although Jan was Italian, he looked like a German count. A brilliant man, he got a degree in law in Perugia near Assisi and became governor of Perugia at the age of 26. His priorities were anything but religious until he was taken prisoner during a local war between the Perugians and the Malatestas. His story inside prison is much like that of St. Francis, although it took place some 200 years later. He began to consider the values of his life and upon being released from prison, decided to change his life and join the Franciscans. The life of St. John is exciting enough on its own to make a good story, but in order to keep our focus, we have to limit ourselves to his involvement with this Eucharistic miracle. Suffice it to say, however, that he was so blocked in entering into the religious life that men of lesser courage would not have endured. He was greatly helped during this time by St. Bernardino Siena. St. Bernardino Siena, a driving force in the Franciscan order, had a fervent devotion to the Eucharist. His symbol, a host with rays of blazing sun and the letters IHS, is seen at many churches in Italy, mostly in Siena. As a matter of fact, in the famous Piazza del Campo in Siena, the symbol is emblazoned on the top of the main building. It is also seen in Florence on the Palazzo Vecchio. A great part of St. Bernardine's ministry was devoted to defense and instruction of the Eucharist. St. John became one of St. Bernardine's students. Through St. Bernardine's influence, he developed his passion for the Eucharist and our Lord Jesus. After he left St. Bernardine, he went out on his own to fight for the conversion of heretics and to correct the grave errors they were spreading. He developed a reputation for holiness on his own. Crowds of faithful gathered to hear him wherever he spoke. He has been given credit for turning hundreds of thousands back to the faith by his sermons. He is also known to have had great healing powers. Over the years, he was given uncommon authority by the Vatican to do battle with heretics, schismatics, and those involved with witchcraft and the occult. He was very stern in his dealings with enemies of the church and was considered an apostle, a prophet. No matter where he went, the faithful flocked to touch him, hear him, ask him to heal their sick. He gave credit for all healings to the intervention of the relics of St. Bernardine, which he carried with him. Towards the end of his life, the Pope sent St. John to the area of Bavaria, Austria and Poland to defend the faith. A group of heretics led by John Haas and called Hussites were then active, forerunners of Luther. Among the errors they spread was a disbelief in the physical presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. This heresy had become very strong in the area of Austria and Poland. St. John spent all his time fighting these heretics. 
As if that was not enough, he also recruited an army to stop the onslaught of the Turks, which was imminent. We have now set the stage for the miracle, and very possibly for understanding the reason for the miracle. While St. John was in Breslau, he celebrated Mass and spoke out strongly against the anti-Eucharist movement, which was spreading in Breslau. After he left the church, thieves influenced by the heretics broke into the church and stole some host St. John had consecrated from the tabernacle. It is believed that their purpose was to desecrate and blaspheme the sacred host. They wrapped them in a white linen cloth. The host started to bleed profusely, the blood pouring out of the cloth. The thieves, fearing for their lives if they were caught and realizing that they were not able to destroy the host, went out onto one of the roads leading into Langenwies. They hid the host in the forest. They picked what they considered to be the most desolate spot around. There was no way, they thought, for anyone to find the bleeding host. They did not take into consideration our Lord, whom they had blasphemed. He used this sacrilege to provide us with an additional miracle in the way the hosts were found. Shortly after the thieves hid the host, a Polish man was traveling towards Langenwies in a carriage drawn by four horses. At a certain spot in the road, the horses stopped abruptly and knelt down. The driver could not understand what caused the animals to act in this manner. He got out to investigate. The horses remained in their kneeling position. As the men searched the area, he found the blood-soaked bundle with the host inside. The Polish men contacted the local priest, who went out to the place where the hosts were buried. The priest, followed by a group of local people, took the bundle with the host and brought them back in solemn procession to the church of Langenwies. The news of the miracle spread throughout the district. We learned that nothing is accidental with the Lord. The plan which the Lord has set into motion included a parallel event taking place at this time hundreds of miles away. Constantinople had fallen to the Turks at the time of this miracle, between Easter and Pentecost in the year 1453. They were marching north to capture all of Europe and enslave Christianity under the sword of the Muslims. Pilgrims were drawn to the Church of the Eucharistic Miracle in Langenwies. Prayers and petitions were offered to the Lord to halt the invasion of the Turks. The official feast was designated as the fourth Sunday after Easter. At one time, as many as 50,000 pilgrims were reported to have come on pilgrimage to Langenwies to pray for the forgiveness of the sins of men and for deliverance from the Turks. The turning point against the Turks was at Belgrade in 1456. The Europeans had prepared for their attack. St. John Capistrano, near death by this time, had finally gathered together his army of men. Armed with prayer on the battlefield and an enormous amount of prayer and penance at the shrine, the Turks were defeated and Europe was saved. We truly believe that the Lord has a teaching for us in everything that goes on in the world. If all we learn from this Eucharistic miracles is a lesson of the past, what have we really learned? Our Lady has been pleading with us for centuries in her apparitions to listen to her Son. She vocalizes what the Lord has been trying to teach us in these supernatural manifestations. Yet we keep looking for signs. 
If the Lord were to manifest himself again today in a Eucharistic miracle, will we pay attention to it or keep looking for another sign? In Luke 16.31, Jesus says, They will not be convinced even if one should rise from the dead. But then again, in the very next chapter, Luke 17.5, he tells us, If you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this sycamore, Be uprooted and transplanted into the sea, and it would obey you. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply, with your iPhone or Android device, go to the App Store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app, and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel, where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.